This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. One of the most common questions we get from readers at MoneyWeb is, how do I make a start in cryptocurrencies? Should I buy Bitcoin? Hasn't it gone up too much already? And who can I trust when buying cryptos? Another frequent question we receive is, how do you pick the cryptocurrencies that are most likely to shoot for the moon? People have heard of returns of 1,000, 2,000, and even 10,000% per year. Well, all of that is true. There are more than a handful of cryptos that grew more than 1,000% over the last year, Ethereum and Cardano being just two of them. The problem is identifying them before liftoff and avoiding the ones that are going to tank. How does one go about investing in cryptos and building a crypto portfolio that will stand the test of time? Well, joining us to discuss this is Rand Neuner. Rand got his first taste of crypto back in 2013 and has been hooked ever since. He's the host of CNBC's Crypto Trader Slot, and he also has a live stream cryptocurrency talk show called Crypto Banter on YouTube. The show airs twice daily from Monday to Friday at 6.30 a.m. EST and 10 a.m. EST. Within five months of being on air, the channel skyrocketed to being the top three cryptocurrency channel globally and shows no signs of slowing down. First of all, it's good to have you on again, Ran. Maybe let's just start at the beginning. Where is a good place for the beginner to get started? And maybe as part of that answer, tell us how you got started in cryptos. So uh, first of all, thank, thank you for having me. What a, what a great intro. Uh, just to clarify, uh, my first Bitcoin was 2014, 2015, not 2013. Um, so yeah, I think that that also is a good place to start. I think that, you know, when, as an investor in Bitcoin and crypto, you face with a choice. Uh, you can either manage your own money uh, or you can give it to a fund or a professional to manage your money for you. Uh, in this case, I believe that there are um, that there is a great advantage or two great advantages to actually managing your own money. And the reason for that is because you, you're going to get to learn um, how amazing this technology actually is. And I think through learning how amazing this blockchain technology actually is by using it and, and, and learning about it, uh, you may be able to change your existing business to disrupt your existing business, or maybe even to get into a new kind of business. Because we know that blockchain technology is disrupting pretty much most sectors out there, most business sectors out there. But a good place for any beginner beginner investor to, to start is, of course, just buying Bitcoin. And that's you know almost like, like we call it the gateway drug to getting into, into crypto. <laughs> because when you buy Bitcoin, you learn how to buy a digital asset. You learn how to store a digital asset. You learn how to send a digital asset. And all those are things that, you know, they sound pretty basic, but because we're in such an early stage in blockchain development, it's almost like being in the internet and, you know, the days of dial-up. And I don't know if you remember, but you had to like unplug your, you know, you had to unplug your phone, plug your phone into the dial-up modem, you know, then plug the dial-up modem into the computer and then you to try and dial up and the first three times never worked and only on the fourth time. That's kind of like where we are in blockchain technology now. Um, and so things that seem basic, like buying, selling, storing, um, sending, those things require quite a bit of learning or you know, quite a bit of experience. And so I always say, I think a good place for any investor to get in is to just buy a little bit of Bitcoin and sell it and uh, you know, send it to friends and stuff like that and just become familiar with the system. 
I think it probably should also be pointed out that you don't have to, you, you hear about Bitcoin costing close to 700,000. Of course, you can buy a hundred rands worth of Bitcoin. You don't have to buy 700,000 rands worth. I should also have mentioned in the intro that you are a certified financial analyst. So you approach the subject with a keen eye for value. There are some oddities when it comes to evaluating crypto. So maybe explain what a few of those are, some of those oddities. So I guess crypto is priced like um, network effect stocks. Now, what I mean by that is you, we all know very well that um, when it comes to certain technology companies, things like Amazon, like Facebook, like Uber, like Instagram, like WhatsApp, all those are companies that have high valuations despite not having any revenues or had at some point. So if you think about like WhatsApp, Facebook paid billions of dollars for WhatsApp. I can't remember the exact number, but at the time, WhatsApp had no revenues. And I think even today, if I'm not mistaken, WhatsApp may not have revenues, but ultimately there is a good, there is a high valuation on those kind of stocks. And that is because investors are actually buying something completely different. What investors are buying when they're buying those stocks is they are buying what we call network effects. So I'll quickly run through what network effects are. Network effects are where in a, it, it, network effects are the single biggest reason why investors are willing to give some companies a higher valuation than others. If you think of things like Google, Amazon, Facebook, Uber, all of those are actually networks. Uber is a transport network. Google is a data network. Amazon is a shopping network. Facebook is a social media network. So the key word when it comes to all of those things is the word network. And that's what you really need to understand. So what is a network? A network is anything that has the network effect. And what is the network effect? When every additional user to the network enhances the value of the network exponentially. So I'll give you a very practical example. If you think about, a, a what's, if you think about WhatsApp, Everybody is on WhatsApp. And so if there's a competing chat application that is launched, it's very hard for people to join the competing chat application that's launched because everybody else is on WhatsApp. And as a new user joins WhatsApp, that new user makes the WhatsApp network more valuable. Why? Because now the people on the WhatsApp network can now phone an additional user. So I'll give you, uh, I'll give it to you numbers. In a world where there's only Ryan and Kieran, and only the two of us are using WhatsApp, the maximum number of calls that can be made on WhatsApp is I can call you and you can call me. And so the maximum number of calls is two. But if we add, if we add a third person onto the network, if we add a third person onto the WhatsApp network, and we've now got uh, a third person, then I can call you, you can call me, and we can both call the third person and the third person can, can call us. And so what you get is you're getting the value or the number of calls in the network being able to, is increased exponentially because now there's six calls that can be made on the network. And so what we realize is that by adding one more user to the network, the value of the network has gone from two to six or has increased exponentially. And so network effects are actually uh, defined by two laws. The first law is Metcalfe's law. And Metcalfe's law states that uh, something has the network effect when with each user, the value of the network increases exponentially. So with each, with each new user in the network, the value of the network grows exponentially. And the second law 
is again derived from uh, a telephone network, and it's called Barabasi's law. And Barabasi's law says that in a world that is unregulated, users will flock to the busiest networks, which kind of makes sense because you kind of think to yourself, well, in a world where there's no laws and regulation or in a free world, you would rather be on the network where there are more people. So users will, gen will generally flock to the busiest nodes. And when you combine those two, what you realize is that when a protocol or a company has network effects, that is the most powerful business effect in the world because it's self-manifesting and it just creates more and more and more growth. Now, once a protocol has the network effect, it's very hard to stop its growth. In fact, the only three things that can stop a network effect growth. One is government intervention. And we can see that governments want to intervene to break up Google and Amazon and Facebook because those networks are just becoming too powerful and they just keep growing and growing and growing. The second one is technological failure. So if the technology fails, if Facebook's technology fails, or if WhatsApp's technology fails, or if anybody's technology fails, then their network may lose users. And the third one is if a 10x better technology is launched, then the 10x better technology has between a 7 and to 10% chance of disrupting the incumbent, depending on which study you read. But failing that, failing those three things, anything that has the network effect um, is probably going to continue to grow. And if you think of cryptocurrencies or crypto assets, actually what crypto assets are, are is the investment in networks. So Bitcoin, for example, is a value network, a store of value network. Uh, it's, it's a network where people accept payments in Bitcoin and store value in Bitcoin. And the more people that join the Bitcoin network, the more people on the network that can accept and pay with Bitcoin. And so the value of the network grows exponentially. So Bitcoin is actually just a store of value network. And Ethereum is just a security, it's just a supercomputing network. It's just a bunch of supercomputers where people perform um, uh, supercomputing tasks. Uh, and the more computers that are performing the supercomputer computing tasks, the more the value of the network, because the more, the more redundancy the network has, the cheaper the network becomes, et cetera. So investing in cryptocurrencies is actually just about investing in networks. And I mean, once you understand that, then the technology, which is the more technical part, doesn't really matter as much. Because ultimately, when something has the network effect, it's almost guaranteed to continue growing until it gets to saturation point. And so when you simplify that and you remove the technology, because you know crypto technology is quite complicated, then you realize that actually investing in cryptos is just a simple mechanism of investing in networks. And whether you're investing in a money network, a social media network, a file storage network, a supercomputing network, a, you know, a money lending network, it's just networks. What was the name of that second network? Barry Bassi? So the Barra Bassi. His, I think his name was Alberto, Albert Barra Bassi. And that's the second law of network effects. Yeah, it's two laws. One is Metcalfe's law and one is Barra Bassi's law. And they govern uh, the relationship around networks. Okay, so Barry Bassi's law says that where you don't have a regulations governing a network, people will go to the busiest network. Did I get that right? Correct. Yeah, yeah correct. Interesting. A good way of explaining it. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Ran. I, I suppose it goes without saying that 
anyone entering this space had better be prepared for a rough ride. And we've seen cryptos dropping some 60% in recent months. And that was after more than 100% gain in prices earlier on the year. Now, volatility is something that people who've been in this for a while, they've, they've become very tolerant of, they're comfortable with it. But a lot of people maybe coming from the stock market are not that comfortable with it. So what's your advice to people coming into this space? Should they just you know, accept that there's going to be volatile times, but the, the upside here is, is potentially fascinating? Um, so we're in a new market and unfortunately, in this market, we don't trade this market on traditional stock exchanges. We trade it on exchanges which are much more suitable and relevant to these kind of markets, which is the crypto markets. And while we're onboarding users to the crypto markets and creating more liquidity, then we have limited liquidity. You know, remember that volatility is usually a function of, of no liquidity. You, you know, we're in a market where you have lots of buyers and lots of sellers then you have very little volatility because there's enough buyers and enough sellers to be able to buy and sell at every price point. But remember, crypto is a new market and it's growing very, 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 very fast as we bring new buyers into the space. In fact, it took us about 10 years to get about 100 million accounts on Bitcoin. And it took us about four months to get the next 70 million or five months to get the next 70 million. So the growth is, is exponential. And as more people come into the space, so does the volatility decrease. Um, I mean, another, another thing when you're talking about volatility is volatility is usually short-term in nature. And if you, I, I don't encourage trading. I'm not a trader myself. I'm much more an investor. But you want to be in a position where you're holding these investments for a long period of time. And if you are in, in, in that position, anybody that's ever held Bitcoin for over one year has always made money. So if you look at Bitcoin at any point of its life, um, if you held it for over one year, you landed up making more money, usually, except for one or two periods in history. So I think it's just a case of zooming out and saying, look, there is a thing called short-term volatility. That's great. But if you zoom out and you look at it net-net, Bitcoin is up, I think, 10x in the last 18 months or more, 12x in the last 18 months. Um, Bitcoin is up hundreds and thousands of Xs in the last 10 years. Uh, and so is the rest of the crypto market. So it's just a case of zooming out and being able to stomach and not even look at the short-term volatility. All right. So in putting together a crypto portfolio, what's your recommendation? What percentage of one's portfolio should be in cryptos? Yeah, you know, I've heard various figures. Some people say five percent, ten percent, and and yet you know you get the maximalists, the people who are hundred percent invested in cryptos, fully understanding the risk they're taking on, but they are prepared to to go with it. That you know it could all tank one day and they've got nothing. What is your recommendation? So I don't recommend that you go all into um, all into crypto. I think that's I think going all into any asset, no matter how confident you are, is a negligent strategy. I think that it, it's it's very hard to say. Um, to give a one-size-fits-all approach because ultimately it comes down to the individual's risk profile and risk tolerance. Now, for people who have a high risk tolerance, more of their money should be allocated to crypto. And for people who have a lower risk tolerance, less of their money should be allocated into crypto. Crypto is a risky asset class by virtue of the fact that it's a brand new and disruptive technology. But 
it is the one asset class that is probably going to give you outsized returns in your portfolio. So if you put 10% of your investable assets into crypto and crypto does 10 times return, which in crypto is not a lot, like in crypto, 10x returns are not a lot. In fact, just as an anecdote, we invested in a protocol yesterday. Uh, we paid, you know, we, we paid a certain price for it. And if we look at the price now, the price is about 150 times up on what we paid for it. And it's, this is, we invested in this protocol two weeks ago. So in crypto, when you talk about a 10x return, a 10x return is not a very um, uh, big return in crypto. But let's assume that, you know, crypto does 10x, then if you invest the 10% of your portfolio, that 10% of your portfolio will now be worth what your entire portfolio is worth. So my strategy is take a small allocation of your portfolio. And small is relative depending on how much or what your risk profile is. Small can mean 10%, it could mean 5%, it could mean 2%, it could mean 1%. I'm not sure that I would, unless someone has a really, really high risk tolerance, I'm not sure that I'd put more than 10% of my wealth into crypto. But I know that if you leave that money in crypto and if you're disciplined and if you invest as opposed to trade in and out of things, then uh, I know that, that you know, I have enough conviction that crypto will give you the most outsized returns that you could ever imagine. Okay. Would it be fairly safe to spread one's investment across the five or 10 largest cryptocurrencies or would you say there's a better way of doing it? And one of the things that I do is I look at coin market cap and I just see what's moving up and down in coin market cap, looking at the, the top sort of 20 or 30. Uh, of course, that's not necessarily a reliable way to do it. You've got to go and, and do a little bit more work and a little bit more due diligence on these things because things can be, there's a pump and dump phenomena that is fantastic in, in uh, cryptocurrencies. Look at Dogecoin. But it does give you an idea of what's moving and then you can go and do a little bit more digging behind that. Is, is that something that you would recommend? So one option is to buy an index of the top coins. Um, the, the, the upside there is that you don't have to do much work and that you've got a pretty, a, a pretty diversified portfolio. The downside is that if you're buying the biggest coins, you may miss out on the biggest opportunities because the biggest coins are the ones that have usually run the hardest. So if you buy the top five, you know, they've had their day in the sun, they've run and people have realized their value. The real money in crypto is to be made in the much smaller coins. But in order to understand the much smaller coins, you need to really understand the game and you need to invest uh, a certain amount of time and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, my feeling is um, it depends again how much time you have to invest. If you don't have time to invest, give your money to a professional crypto fund manager. I believe that most crypto fund managers will outperform an index of the top five coins at this stage of the game. Um, if, if you want to if you don't want to give your money to a professional fund manager, but you want a safe option that doesn't require much work, then possibly an index of the top 10 coins might not be a bad option. And then if you really want to make big returns in crypto, then you should be spending time researching and actually start getting into the, what we call the small cap gems. These are the small ones that are about to explode. And you know the, the, the thing is, when you talk about small cap gems in crypto, and we talk about explosions, we're talking about things doing 150x and maybe even 1,000x in short periods of time. And I mean that. Like, like I said, I'm giving you one example just because it's open on my screen in front of me. But it is right now, um, you know, right now at about 150x, 140x from what we paid two weeks ago. Um, 
So, but, but that requires a lot of due diligence and stuff like that. Right. And people would obviously say, well, how do I pick out these gems? Any advice for them on that point? So if you want to pick up the gems, you need to be doing research. How you do research is you've got to know the basics. You've got to understand network effects. You've got to understand the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. You have to understand what a smart contract is. And then there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of free resources all around the internet. You can get involved in the tokens Telegram community. You can watch YouTube shows. You can watch our show. You can watch many similar shows to ours. And you've got to spend the time doing the homework. And if you spend the time doing the homework, you will find out, you will learn about these big trends. Um, yeah, so you need to just spend your time doing the homework. It's, it's like everything in life. What you put in is what you get out. And if you're going to come here, if you're going to come to crypto and you're going to try and ride the wave without knowing exactly what you're riding. And I've seen this many, many, many times. People come in and think, wow, crypto is a one place that you can't lose. Typically, they come in quite late in the cycle and they're the guys that drive up the cycle. And for short periods of time, they think to themselves, wow, this is the most incredible market in the world. But then, as you mentioned in the beginning, the crypto market does one of its great corrections. And you know, when the crypto market corrects, it can go down 50, 60% in a matter of days. And then the leveraged hands don't know what they've bought, don't have conviction in what they've bought, start panicking and sell at the bottom. They look at, it, they look at the price again a month later and the price has broken all-time highs again. So the approach that I recommend is rather spend time researching, understand what you're buying, have conviction in what you're buying, and then put your money into it and forget about it. Uh, and don't try and don't worry about the short-term volatility because you're buying things that are possibly going to disrupt the world for the next 10 years. I mean, you you come at this with with an eye of an analyst in a way. So what what are people telling you who are the traditionalists, the people who would be invested in the stock market? And of course, they were very suspicious about cryptos for a long time. But my sense is that they there's a they're coming around, and they're beginning to realize that if they don't have some exposure to this, they're not going to get the outsized returns. Even a one or two percent exposure to cryptos can give you a huge lift in your overall portfolio returns. What's your sense? Are people coming around to cryptos and understanding it a bit better? Every day, we get news of new traditional fund managers that are now starting to buy into crypto. Now, remember, crypto is transparent, so we know who's buying what. And every day, we get news of new funds, new pension funds, new traditional funds that are buying into crypto. And so what we saw is we saw the early adopter technology funds jump in first, and then slowly we started to see more and more and more traditional funds uh, start getting in. And now we're at a point where I think it's almost negligent not to have some kind of exposure to crypto assets on, on, in, your, in, your, in your AUM or in your fund. Um, I think that's where we are at the moment. I think, you know, if I were invested in a fund, a general broad fund, and the fund manager said, look, we don't have any exposure to digital assets, I would think that the fund is either lazy uh, antiquated or just uh, negligent. You have to have some kind of exposure to, to digital assets in a fund today. I think there was also an element of deliberate misinformation going out at a certain point in time with people saying, well, there is no business case behind Bitcoin. Um, but if you look at cryptocurrencies like Ethereum, Polkadot, the, 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 there are definite business cases there because in order to transact on those networks, you are paying in the native currency of those networks. In the case of Ethereum, you're paying with ETH or Ether. In the case of Polkadot, you're paying with, with DOT, and you've got Cardano, and you've got Solana, and these other ones. 
These are going to be very substantial forces in the financial system and the business networks going forward. Not so? So I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Um, in 1998 or 99, I remember there was the SAPI price, the paper price, SAPI paper. Their price went down. And that, is, that was a news of the internet growing. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, like, why is SAPI going down when the internet's going up? There's no way that we're ever going to give up paper books and paper magazines to read stuff on the internet. And I think a couple of years later, or to, know, fast forward to where we are today, I don't remember the last time that I picked up a newspaper, an actual paper newspaper. And so I think that in the beginning, a lot of people struggled to see new business models and to see you know, how new applications of, of, of technologies and how they will disrupt business. Some of us have seen it or have seen some of it. Um, most people haven't. Um, and slowly, these people are all jumping towards it. Okay, a couple of final questions here. Are there any uh, coins, micro caps, whatever you want to call them, that we should be paying attention to? There's 20,000 coins out there. There are certain ecosystems which I'm looking at. Um, I mean, this is by no means telling anybody to buy these because a lot of them have had a run. And you also need to understand... Uh, you also need to understand the, the, you know, the client's risk profile and, and the rest of their portfolio structure. But I mean, we're looking at all the layer one smart contract networks. So Avalanche, Solana, uh, Cardano, um, you know, those are the layer one smart contract networks. We're looking at Rweave, which is a smart contract network that stores data forever. We're looking at a smart contract platform called sorry a, a payments network called Luna, which is a stable coin with a with a platform behind it. Um, each one of those has its own use case, you know. Um, but I mean it's you know it's very tough to 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 take certain coins because it's got to be part of a a well structured portfolio. Because you know as much as we are as much as we think that these coins are going to succeed there's always a good chance that they're not going to succeed and that our conviction, you know, that, that something goes wrong along the way. So I think you have to have a diversified portfolio, but those are just some of what I would put into probably most diversified portfolios. Fantastic. Final question. Tell us about your crypto banter broadcast, how they're going. I know it's quite new and you previously told us that the objective was to become the Bloomberg or the CNBC of cryptos. Is it doing well? So yeah, we want to bring live credible streaming content to the crypto world. It doesn't exist at the moment. Right now, like I said to you, I think the last time we spoke, if you want credible streaming in, in traditional markets, you can log on to you know, one of 10, 24, 7, 365 stations. But in crypto, that doesn't exist. We don't have a, a CNBC, we don't have a Bloomberg. So we're building it live, credible streaming, unpaid for uh, broadcasting. Right now, I think we're the biggest or second biggest live channel in the world today. And I think we're the top three of non-live in terms of views. And we currently have about four hours of programming a day. So we're building it properly, credibly with the best hosts, um, with the best content. And, um, you know, we know we're going to be here for a while so that we're not, we're not rushed. We're going to do this properly. We're going we're gonna to build a parallel to CNBC only for crypto. Right, and people who want to reach out and look at your content, they can find you on YouTube at Crypto Banter, right? Crypto Banter. Fantastic. Rand Neuner, we're going to leave it at that. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about how you're looking at the world of cryptos and also how you're putting together your portfolio, the types of things that you're looking at. 
got to have you back on again. This is so such a fast-moving space. So I love the station. Love what you guys are doing. Love the great work that you're doing. Happy to support you anytime. Thanks, Rand Moiner. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.